Rupam. Eternal form. Tena. By that form. Isha. O Lord. Yervitim. Satisfaction. Babu. Obtained. Alam. So much. Drishaha. Vision. Naha. Our. Tasmai. Unto him. Idam. This. Bhagavate. Unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Namaha. Obeisances. It. Only. First time I ever saw it described as only. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not it's not it, it's it. Sanskrit it. Vidhema, let us offer. Yaha, who? Anatmanam, of those who are less intelligent. Durudayaha, cannot be seen. Bhagavan, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Pratitaha has been seen by us. Translation by Divine Grace. <clears throat> o Lord, we therefore offer, this is Kumaras. <coughs> o Lord, we therefore offer our respectful obeisances unto your eternal form as the personality of Godhead which you have so kindly manifested before us. Your supreme eternal form cannot be seen by unfortunate, less intelligent persons, but we are so much satisfied in our mind and reason to see it. Please repeat, O oh Lord, we therefore offer our respectful obeisances unto your eternal form as the personality of God which you have so kindly manifested before us. Your supreme eternal form cannot be seen by unfortunate, less intelligent persons. But we are so much satisfied in our mind and vision to see it. <laughs> The four sages were impersonalists in the beginning of their spiritual life, but afterwards, by the grace of their father and spiritual master, Rama, they understood the eternal spiritual form of the Lord and felt completely satisfied. In other words, the transcendentalists who aspire for the impersonal Brahma <coughs> or localized Paramatma are not fully satisfied and still hanker for more. Even if they are satisfied in their minds, still transcendentally, their eyes are not satisfied. <laughs> That's nice. But as soon as such persons come to realize the Supreme Personality of Godhead, they are satisfied in all respects. In other words, they become devotees and want to see the form of the Lord continually. It is confirmed in the Brahma Sangita that one who has developed transcendental love of Krishna by smearing his eyes with the ointment of love, sees constantly the eternal form of the Lord. The particular word used in this connection 
Anatmanam signifies those who have no control over the mind and senses and who therefore speculate and want to become one with the Lord. Such persons cannot have the pleasure of seeing the eternal form of the Lord. For the impersonalists and the so-called yogis, yogis, the Lord is always hidden by a certain by the curtain of the Yoga Maya. Bhagavad Gita says that even when Lord Krishna was seen by everyone, while he was present on the surface of the earth, the impersonalists and so-called yogis could not see him because they were devoid of devotional eyesight. <coughs> the theory of the impersonalists and so-called yogis is that the Supreme Lord assumes a particular form when he comes in touch with Maya, although actually he has no form. As they say. This very conception of the impersonals and so-called yogis checks them from seeing the Supreme Personality of Godhead as he is. The Lord therefore is always beyond the sight of such non-devotees. <clears throat> the four sages felt so much obliged to the Lord that they offered their respectful obeisance unto him again and again. I was born in the darkness of ignorance, I spiritual master, she would pop eyes up, came out of the torch, I have knowledge to offer my respectful obeisance unto him and all members of Sri Parambara. Reverse again. O Lord, we therefore offer our respectful obeisances under your eternal form as the personality of God which you have so kindly manifested before us. Your supreme eternal form cannot be seen by unfortunate, less intelligent persons, but we are so missatisfied in our mind and vision to see it. So this is a, a sweet ending for, for the chapter. Everything is becoming satisfied, especially in the in the persons of these four sages. Of course, I have a little test question. Anybody can tell me another famous devotee who was completely satisfied by seeing Juga Maharaj. That was the extra credit question. Did you jump the gun? No. <laughs> That's it. Yes, me, Kitartos, me. Varam Nayache. That was uh, Dhruva Maharaj. Huh? What about Kunta? Oh, she's another one? Hmm. What did she say? <laughs> she wanted what? Oh. So she wanted to see the work constantly, even if it changed. She was satisfied, but she wasn't satisfied to be satisfied. She wanted calamities. But yeah, she was satisfied. She, she realized that her satisfaction was to be thinking seriously about the Lord. So she wanted other distractions to be gone. So that's kind of the same thing as described here about Sheila Prophet and the purport. That um, the devotee comes to this point, and then they want to see the form of the Lord continually. 
was thinking about how this is, uh, it made me think of one of my favorite verses in the first canto, fifth chapter, which is Narda's instructions on the Srimad Bhagavatam. Um, this verse is always fascinating to me. It says, I don't know the Sanskrit, I never learned it, but the English says, learned circles have positively concluded that the infallible purpose of the advancement of knowledge, namely sacrifices, standing of hymns, austerities, study of the Vedas, and charity, culminates in, anybody know that the culmination of the infallible purpose of the advancement of knowledge culminates in, well, in this verse, it's, it's this transcendental description of the Lord, who's defined in choice poetry. But I was thinking, if you have the Lord standing right in front of you, you don't even need the descriptions in choice poetry, you're looking at it, at the culmination of all knowledge. That purport of Srila Prabhupada talks about in that verse is kind of nice too, because he says, starts out saying there is so many so much endeavor in human society for advancement, advancement or cultivation in so many areas. And he rattles off, like, you know, music, the arts, physics, chemistry, sociology, politics, medicine, philosophy, all these things. But the final advancement in what the Vedic literature tells you is that Vishnu is the, is the final goal and that actually he's behind all these other things that people are trying to think about and advance in and get happiness from. Vishnu is always there and the scripture reminds you of that. So we have to be told that. I was thinking too of this Srila uh, Prabhupada. You know, different people have their different ideas of what the, the goal is. Because we know that some of the impersonals, like the Buddhists, they, they think that annihilation of material existence is the goal. <coughs> you just annihilate everything that we know in this world, that's the goal. Professor Katovsky in Moscow, I don't probably say that, Moscow, Moscow. Professor Katovsky, he made this statement that Swamiji, the goal of human consciousness is to um, <coughs> improve society. <coughs> That's the goal of human consciousness. Poor thing, you know, he doesn't know that there's anything beyond human society in this world. <coughs> so he said that the goal of, of consciousness, human consciousness, is to make a better society, improve society like that. So, <clears throat> we have different statements in the Bhagavad Gita about the goal. One nice verse is this, um, I forget what, is that the eighth chapter? Where Krishna states flatly what the goal is, that I'm the goal. Gatir Bhakti Prabhupada Sakshi, that verse. Anybody know that verse? Yeah. 
your resting place and the eternal sea. So what else is there? <laughs> That's an amazing verse. Joseph. That's not you know, Is it? I thought it was an eighth chapter. I'm not sure. I can't remember. You're probably right. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Nine eight two. So and only by devotion to service can can one get to that goal. Is another <coughs> verse. It's really nice <coughs> in the Bhagavad Gita. After Krishna sees the uh, universal form, and then he, you know, is frightened. He wants to see the time, the, the form that's dear to most of the devotees, and he sees the forearm form, form the two arm form. And Krishna makes a statement to him, my dear Arjuna, only by the Sanskrit is something like uh, Bhaktya Nanyaya Shakya, that verse. Shakya means, means it's possible. Bhaktya Tananya Shakya. Aham Mayam Bido Parantapa. Bidarjana. The Sanskrit is kind of nice in there, fun to know. I mean, if a home, of course, is I. And in Avon Bidho, he proper translates it like this. So he's saying, and I think that may be what, because it's referring to in the purport here to the Bhagavad Gita verse where it says, Bhagavad Gita says that even when, even when Lord Krishna was seen by everyone, while he was present on the surface of the earth, the persons and so-called yogis could not see him because they were devoid of devotional eyesight. Somewhere I thought he'd said that even everyone on the battlefield of Kurukshetra could not, even though they were right there, they didn't see him because they didn't. So I thought maybe it was referring, referring to that verse that only by the pure devotional service can I be seen as I am standing before you, he said. But then we have that verse that we, we already quoted last week, Naham Prakasha Sarvashi, that foolish and unintelligent persons cannot see me there because I keep I remain covered by my yoga minds, Shuddha Prabhupada says in the purport. For the impersonals and so-called yogis, the Lord is always hidden by the <coughs> curtain of yoga maya. So Sometimes the impersonals and yogis, they're included with a transcendentalist. And there's, Srila Prabhupada even talks about them in different ways and different grades of, you know, deference to their, at least they have some advancement. But here, they're kind of thrown in with the fools and rascals, the unintelligent. And, um, And we can understand it is foolish because their ideas, what they're what they're thinking is keeping them from the, the sweetest thing that there is in existence, which is to be able to be with Krishna and to see him, see his form. That's like the full satisfaction of the mind and senses. But because of their attitude, you know, their where they're pointed their nose, so <coughs> they cannot get to that, that final goal. I meant to bring the third canto, or the, the last part. This is the volume one, 
part two, we get into the teachings of Kapila Devi. And there's an important chapter in here called uh, um, The Glories of Devotional Service. It's got a lot of nice verses and things in it. But the final, the conclusion of that, that chapter talks about this, this, this goal, final goal of life and how the devotees reach that, that goal. It's the last chapter of that verse 25. <coughs> <clears throat> Meant to bring it with me, but. So, um, of course, it quotes the Brahma Samhita verse here as saying that the um, devotee whose eyes are smeared with the ointment of love constantly sees a certain form of the Lord. Which one is that? A little test question. The verse? Yeah, the Brahma Sangita verse. Say what is the definition of the Brahma Sangita? Sangita is the diagram that we should have over here. You have the child of Sundara. You got it. That's it. There will always be able to go to his inventory of Shastras to get the answer. <laughs> he has the full, <laughs> the full shit, uh, verse book memorized. Um, anybody have any comments or questions? Otherwise, I was thinking one other thing to do with this <coughs> verse here since we're at the end of the chapter. And since I got to the end of the chapter thinking, Okay, it's a description of the kingdom of God. Where was the description of the kingdom of God? I didn't get it. But actually it was there. I just, like it went by and went over my head. So I went back and read it again like the first time I'd seen it. Anybody remember? I mean, okay, just first, does anybody have any comments about this? The final goal and satisfaction of the mind that they're expressing? Heroes. I was thinking about this point that Krishna is not seen by the non-devotees that believe in presence on the earth. There were people that saw him, but they didn't know that he's the person out of God. Oh, yeah. He is. They like, saw she him as a chakriya, <laughs> or, you know, human being. Mm-hmm. And some of them were envious of him, and wanted to fight with him, others criticized him, and, uh, others just saw him as That's what I was just thinking of. That's a great description. Yeah. How they all sound different. Yeah. What are some of those to say? Like the women saw him as a very beautiful personality or something. The men saw him as, as a, you know, kind of like an inadequate. Some people thought he was like, you know, like an incompetent young, young boy or something. He wasn't capable of wrestling. Those big wrestlers. So it describes different people that were sitting in the arena, actually looking at what they were thinking. Yeah. That was it. Hey, Yogi, sit yourself. Mm-hmm.
Yeah. One of the things I was thinking of too before we go back to these verses of the description of the kingdom of God, we find it as I guess people, I could find out how many of you remember anything because I didn't remember all these things. But seeing how, you know, by being devotees or trying to be devotees like we are, how it gives us this kind of natural resilience, you know, no matter what happens. Like, like here the Kumaras are thinking, oh God, we've done such a terrible thing, we'll probably go to hell for this because we've cursed actual servants in Baikunta, you know. But they, then they realize this beautiful thing, but we're so fortunate that you've come before us, you know, we're, we're, we're experiencing the real, the real goal of life, the satisfaction of the mind and senses. So even in the most terrible situation, as we know, the devotee is kind of like, has this flesh, has this natural resilience because of their their faith and their uh, you know feeling that nothing can really go wrong because I know Krishna is there and I'm Krishna, he's mine, so there's really no problem anywhere, <laughs> you know. That was one little point I was thinking with this kind of conclusion of the chapter kind of rings out, you could say. Maybe. So, anybody have anything else? So there's a, just a few verses, like actually like five or six, that should be able Five or six that discusses some actual particulars about this, this kingdom of God. This is our problem. Isn't that why we don't necessarily remember a lot? Because he only described it in a few verses. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's why. So, uh, I'll give you a hint. Where does it start? And see if anybody remembers. Well, I'm thinking like text 15. 15. Yeah. Actually, 14, maybe. Because it, it, well, it describes, 14 describes it. All the residents are of a certain form. You can guess what everybody knows what that entry that is. It also describes that, um, <clears throat> the, the uh, well, actually, the, the forest. And the trees are described. If anybody can fill in the details about that, it says that what the inhabitants are doing, they have a mode of you have these certain modes of conveyances in the Viking plants. That was described. It described the the, uh, the ladies that are with the inhabitants of Vikunta, the wives and consorts, that they are doing certain things as they're being going around in their various conveyances. Just reading. Oh, okay, I was just thinking for a little participation if anybody remembered anything out of it. Yeah. And I was going to kind of jog people's memory and see. Also, uh, okay, we'll do that. We'll end up doing that. Something like that, yeah. Also, there's a description of the flower, different flowering plants and there's about eight or nine or ten, <coughs> ten of them described. But it says that all of these flowering plants are conscious of the kind of the supremacy of one particular plant, which is given special preference by the Lord. Most people can probably think of what that would be. 
one particular planet in my contact. Yeah. And the Lord garlands himself with those those particular There you go, there's another one. Yeah. And it's described uh, the these ladies and the, they're like uh, they're as beautiful as a certain famous personality of the spiritual world. Not Radharani, this is not according to this verse. That's the goddess of fortune. Yeah, goddess of fortune. They're all transcendently beautiful and they they even see themselves, their own forms in these ponds, fountains like that, which are lined with you gotta remember what the like there's a couple of things that are described as materials for the like the, the structure of the in the spiritual world. I think one is marble, but other one is Yeah, is that coral? Well they talk about coral, you know. So that's what I was I was trying to um, tease out of the goddesses of fortune worship the Lord in their own gardens offered by Tulsi leaves, by offering Tulsi leaves on the coral paved banks of transcendental reservoirs of water. They can see on the water the reflection of their beautiful faces with raised noses. <coughs> it appears that they have become more beautiful because of. Anybody remember this? Probably can't. I mean, this is, I couldn't remember this, I don't think. The goddesses of fortune who are seeing their own faces. Reflected in these beautiful fountains, their faces are more more beautiful because of the Lord's doing something to their faces, kissing, kissing their faces. You got it. <laughs> There's a description there how they sweep the marble walls. Oh right, that's that's no, that's one of the that's great. And then the purple it says that making marble doesn't need sweeping. That's great. I wish I, I remember that and I liked it, but I wanted to remember it. It's like I never heard it before. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. <coughs> we'll say that again. The marble didn't really need sweeping, but they're doing it. Why? Out of love. Oh. For Christian. They just want every particle of dust off of there, even though it doesn't really. It's already clean. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so uh So this is that was kind of briefly the description. I could read those verses. You still want to read them or do we already know? I just it was amazing. I we got to the end of the verse and I thought, where's the description? You're end of the chapter, and I thought, where's the description of the kingdom of God? I didn't even, I didn't even get it. It says, in the Vaikuntha planets, all the residents are similar in form and speaking personality of Godhead. They all engage in devotion and service to the Lord without desire for sense gratification. In the Vaikuntha planets, is the supreme personality of Godhead, who is the original person who can be understood through Vedic literature. He is full of the uncontrollable <coughs> love of goodness, with no place for passion or ignorance. He, can, he contributes religious progress for the, for the devotees. In those Vaikuntha planets, there are many forests which are very auspicious. In those forests, the trees are desire trees. Yeah, go for it. What is it? 
yielding desire. Kama duhai tree. Maybe use little different words there. Desire trees in all seasons, they are filled with flowers and fruits because everything that I can plants is spiritual and personal. <clears throat> In the Vaikuna planets, planets, the inhabitants fly in their airplanes, accompanied by their wives and consorts, and eternally sing of the character and activities of the Lord, which, of the Lord, which are always devoid of all inauspicious qualities. While singing the glories of the Lord, they deride even the presence of blossoming madhavi flowers, which are fragrant and laden with honey. They deride these things because they're Singing the glories of the Lord specifically. They don't want to be interested in those things, I guess. When the king of the bees hums in a high... Who was it? Remember the bees thing? They? When the king of the bees hums in a high pitch, singing the glories of the Lord, there's a temporary lull in the noise of the pigeon, the cuckoo, the crane, the chakravaka, the swan, the parrot, the partridge, and the peacock. Such transcendental birds stop their own singing simply to hear the glories of the Lord. Wow, King of the Bees has got it. <laughs> you can stop everybody. Although flowering plants like the Mandar, this is the list of flowering plants Kurabaka, Utpala, Champaka, Arna, Punaga, Nagakesha, Bakula, Lily, and Parijata. Parijata. Although they are full of transcendental fragrance, they are still conscious of the austerities performed by Tulsi. They don't get too proud of their, their own beautiful fragrances. For Tulsi is given special preference by the Lord who garlands himself with Tulsi leaves. The inhabitants of Vaikuta travel in their airplanes made of lapis lazuli, emerald, and gold. Okay, that's Lapis lazuli is, I guess, emerald and gold. Although crowded by their consorts who have large hips and beautiful smiling faces, they cannot be stimulated to passion by their mirth and beautiful charms. The ladies in Vaikuta plants are as beautiful as the goddesses of fortune, or as beautiful as the goddess of fortune herself. Such transcendentally beautiful ladies, their hands playing with lotuses and their leg bangles tinkling, are sometimes seen sweeping the marble walls, which are bedecked at intervals with golden borders, in order to receive the grace of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In the Brahma Samhita, it is stated that the ground of Vaikuntha plants is made of touchstone, thus, there is no need to sweep. The stone in Vaikuntha, for there is hardly any dust on it. But still, in order to satisfy the Lord, the ladies are always they are always engaged in dusting the marble walls. Why? The reason is that they are eager to achieve the grace of the Lord by doing so. Hmm. The goddesses of fortune worship the Lord in their own gardens by offering tulsi leaves. We read that on the coral paved banks of the transcendental reservoirs of water. They see the reflection of their own beautiful faces. And now this nice verse is very much regrettable that unfortunate people do not discuss the description of the like and the plants, but engage in topics which are unworthy to hear and which bewilder one's intelligence. 
Those who give up the topics of Vaikuntha and take to the talk of the material world are thrown into the darkest region of ignorance. The most unfortunate, Srila Prabhupada writes in the first board, the most unfortunate persons are, anybody can guess who Srila Prabhupada say, who are the most unfortunate? Yeah, the, well, then he says impersonals here, but yeah, that idea. Who cannot understand the transcendental variegatedness of the spiritual world. They are afraid to talk about the beauty of the Vaikuntha planets because they think that variegatedness must be material. They think the spiritual world is completely void. The, this mentality is described here as ku kata mati ni, intelligence bewildered by unworthy words. So. about all I can think of or I had thought of to speak about. It's 848. Anybody have anything further? And the next chapter is going back to the, the curses by the sages. <coughs> and then we skip all the way until the seventh canto to get the full rest of the story about um, you know Lord Varaha, is that in the seventh canto too? Uh, he, he fights with Hiranyaksha and then Hiranyakashipu, you know, becomes angry, does all of his austerities, and he gets his, you know, boons and how he's defeated by Lord Nishimade. So we go quite a ways, skip around. When you're talking about the resilience of the devotee, I was thinking, it made me think of Prahlad Maharaj. Mm. He was like, he was born to a you know, his father. Yeah. And it was like, it was totally unaffected by it. Um, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it was like Teflon child or something. Yeah. Nothing stuck to him. He <laughs> did all kinds of stuff to him. It was just mm. perfectly fine. Yeah, well, I guess there's a lot of examples of this. I was thinking of, uh, Ambarish Maharaj too. What did he have coming at him? Some huge fireball demon or something? His mind, everything is engaged in, you know, <coughs> meditation on the different parts of the Lord and his activities serving the Lord. So just didn't bother him and then ended up to Rasmuni, had to go running away. <laughs> And then he came back and still on Breach Maharaj is there doing his service as usual, mind meditating on the lotus feet of the Lord. Can you, can you describe how the Lord protects the devotee even if the Lord doesn't protect the body of the devotee? Mm. Because sometimes the devotee's bodies are killed. Yeah. Nice question. Because, I mean, that's a factor. Can you give some realization on that? Well, there's a statement, everything, consciousness is everything, isn't it? So I suppose there's a, there's a state, and we saw this from Srila Prabhupada, that Prabhupada was materially, his body was, was a terrible, you know, 
is totally scary to see Prabhupada laying there as a, like a skeleton, a living skeleton, you know. And the doctor said how much pain he would be, and I don't really know, but I wondered about that. How much pain a person he could be have been feeling at the time materially. But he was just talking normally, giving instructions, oh, you know, you should do this to the devotees, you should do this. I read something, I don't know if it's Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati, other devotees who were, you know, in the, I don't think it was him, other devotees who at the end were just perfectly lucid and talking normally, but their bodies were really, really horrible, you know, in shape, so. Oh my goodness, there's a good example. So to say your question again, was that, was that any kind of answer? Oh, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's cool. really good. Uh, Krishna protects the devotee, uh, even though he might not protect the body, the physical body. Yeah. Sometimes devotees are murdered. <clears throat> yeah, sure are. There's this whole book that I, I read one time about this Christian named Brother, Brother Andrew or something, how he, there's a book called, there's an interview with this Carmelite, lay brother he wasn't even a priest he was a lay brother working in the kitchen but he had this uh, so much realization and uh at the end his body was <coughs> was really in pain and <clears throat> they kept trying to get him off the part of the body where it's having so much trouble but he kept rolling back on it because he wanted to feel the pain so he could it made him you know, like Queen Kunti would say, he wanted to think, you know, he wanted just to be crying out to the Lord, so he'd keep rolling back on this painful place. <laughs> Lots of things a leper. Put the worms back on stores. Mm. Oh, yeah. Tell me this since you were here, Daryl and Suresh Prabhu, and, and you've been studying the Chaitanya Charitamrita, but since we're reading here about, uh, you know, the Lord appearing to these exalted personalities who apparently are possessed of unalloyed devotion and so they are able to see in Chaitanya Charitamrita when, when, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes back to South India and Sarvabhama Bhattacharya asks the king for a place that he can, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu can stay and he thinks of, the king thinks of Kashi Mitra's house. Yes, it's a perfect place, it's secluded and, and so they go and he gets a, a, a residence in Kashi Mishra's house. I don't know if Kashi Mishra has to leave or what, but he's... And it says there that the Lord is not made any big deal of it, I can tell at all. He just says, Lord Chaitanya, show him his forearm form. See, like, you know, and I was just wondering about who is this Kashi Mishra? Is he, is he also discussed in other places? Or is he just one of the many, 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 many great devotees who were around Chaitanya Mahaprabhu at that time. And because he was so sincerely, he was so happy to give his house a residence for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gives him this vision. And he just says it in one verse. Oh, he gave, gave him that. Does one who, who is Kashi Mishra? Does he appear other places? Do we know anything else about him? Anybody know? He was the superintendent of the temple. Was it? Oh. So he had, a lot of, he had a lot of important service. Okay, well that's something. <laughs> mm.